did it again. All right, go ahead, Gord. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Our countdown has been so messed up, um, so we keep getting caught off guard. But here we are with an amazing guest um, and very dear friend, Jessica. Jessica, I have never said your last name out loud. This is oh embarrassing. Para? It's Para. So, yes, uh-huh. it's, but Para is fine. You got it right. Usually people say, like, Para or, like, and I'm like, where is the E in there? <laughs> but so- <laughs> I did not want to mispronounce, so thank you so much. Um, Okay, this is Jessica's amazing bio. As a lawyer and daughter of Guatemalan and Cuban bakers, Jessica never objects to an extra slice of cake. (laughs) She's a Los Angeles native who loves to write about Latinas with big hair and even bigger dreams. Complicated families, cats living their best lives, all nine of them, and healing magic of acceptance. When she isn't drafting books, you can find her sipping kombucha. Cuddling with her kitties or co-plotting the Millennium Falcon, no, co-piloting the Millennium Falcon at Disneyland's Galaxy Edge. My friend, I am so glad you are with us. How are you doing? So glad to be here. Um, I am just fresh off of Throwback Night, which is a Disney after hours (laughs) event. So I didn't get to co-pilot the Millennium Falcon that night, but I did get to meet mother and father from the Carousel of Progress. So, and now being with you guys, two of my other favorite people, I'm super excited. So thank you for having me. We love you. And we're so excited to dig into that with you too. This episode is going to be like full tilt nerdiness and I am just like living for every second of it yes we're gonna like talk about like expose all of our Disney adultness <laughs> all like obsessions I'm obsessed I love it but before we do that we have important things to discuss because you have a book coming out can you tell us all about this amazingness with your gorgeous cover that I'm so obsessed with I am so obsessed with the cover too. When I saw it, I literally screamed. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like I, so it's like for uh, people who haven't seen it, it's just like a beach scene. Um, and I really wanted them to bring out like other colors that we don't really typically associate with the beach. So it's like all of like the colors of like the sunset um, in Southern California. So it, this is Ruby Ramos's recipe for success. It's my YA debut. And it's like I pitched it as a Cuban girl's guide um, to Tea and Tomorrow meets the Great British Bake Off in mm-hmm. Southern California. Um, and do you guys want me to give you like a little blurb or like a little pitch of it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. So um, it is um, on Goodreads' most anticipated YA list. And um, Emma Lord called it a earnest, charming coming-of-age story that will come for your heart and your appetite. Um, so this is a little bit about Ruby. Graduation is only a few months away, and Ruby Ramos's recipe for success to get into the prestigious Alma University is already off track. When Alma waitlists Ruby's application, Ruby will need to be distraction-free to make the grade and keep her parents, who have wanted this for her for years, from finding out which means falling for the cute surfer slash math tutor Ryan definitely won't work. And neither will breaking her mother's ban on baking. Her parents didn't leave Cuba so she could bake just like them. But some recipes are begging to be tampered with. When the first annual Bake Off comes to town, Ruby's passion for baking goes from subtle simmer to full boil 
add to her mix, add to the mix, her crush on Ryan, maybe turning into a full fledged relationship. And Ruby's life suddenly is so different from what it was. She's not sure if she has what it takes to win Bake Off or where the relationship for Ryan is going. And there's only one way to find out, even if it goes against her parents' priorities. Now Ruby must differentiate between the responsibility of unfulfilled dreams and the and finding the path she's meant for. So that's a little bit about Ruby. Love it. I'm obsessed. The cover is a Lisa Frank dream. Yes. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It really is. Like, I'm obsessed with it. I love the California, Southern California surfer vibes combined with baking. What more could you possibly want? Uh, I, I, yeah, no, it's like I just went full on and just like leaned into like so many of like the things that I love. And like in so many ways, this is like a, a love letter to Southern California as well, especially mm. um, OC um because that's where like I went to school and grew up so um we don't really get that much like OC rep with um brown people in it you know we just get like the mm-hmm. housewives or people think of that um oh, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I was really excited to you know um yeah take people like on a different type of journey into Orange County oh yes I love Ruby so much and um for anybody listening, Jessica and I were Pitch Wars pals in our Pitch Wars year. So it's been very cool to watch, I don't know, like you and Ruby grow together over well, this time. For you. It's like you were the first person out of the gate. So it's like, I feel exactly oh, really? <laughs> about you. Yes. And I think what is so fascinating, and we could like talk about this later if you want, but how our books are flip-flops. Like it's like your book one is about an event planner. Your book two is about a baker. Mine is about a baker. And then the next book is about an event planner. So it's like, I cannot wait until I have all four of like the books together and just have them on a grid. Like that, that's one of the things that I'm like most excited about. Like, honestly, just to have like our books together. So yeah. Same, same, same. Are you able to share like... We're like, I know we're going out of order, but can you talk at all about your second book? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So it is, um, okay. And so yeah, I'm so excited about this, but it's like, I'm excited about it, but I have a, still a lot more work to do it. I, I pitched this as, um, a young adult version of JLo's The Wedding Planner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my main character just quinceañeras instead instead of like weddings. And so it's like, I pitched that and then um, mixing in some of the sibling dynamics of Onward. And the character's arc is that um, my character, her name is Castillo Torres. She needs to um, go from being like the planner to participate in her life. So it's like from her, you know, being like the fairy godmother to then becoming like a princess. So um, yeah. And it's, oh my God, like it's like, there's, I like it tried to lean in more into like the, the rom-com trope. So it's like, you'll like some of like, if you are a fan of the wedding planner, you'll see some of those things in there, you know, that I like remixed. Like if you guys remember the sculpture scene in, um, in that movie, I don't know if you guys remember that, but there's like a, a funny moment with um, where they break a part of a 
sculpture. <laughs> so you can find that, like a, a remix scene of that in my book. Um, and it's also about like sisters, because I think like the main love thread in this is between like these two sisters. So it's like, um, yeah, there, there's just a lot in there. And it's like, I think I'm every pass that I do, it's like slowly coming together. Um, so yeah, I think if I could pull it off, it's going to be freaking awesome. I'm excited about it. Of course you can pull it off. Is it in the same universe as Ruby? Yes. So, um, it takes place a year after, um, and it is in, I, most of the, the action in Ruby takes, um, place in like two fictionalized cities in Orange County. And I did that for reasons. (laughs) Um, so it takes place in one of those cities and it takes place a year after Ruby. So we do like, and and this, I I was like so happy that I was able to do this. Like I, there is a Ruby cameo and we get to find out who wins um, the second annual Bake Off as well. And that it's like, yeah, I'm just so grateful to do that because it's, yeah, I, I, I don't, I won't, I won't spoil it too much, but like a lot of people have said that besides Ruby, um, the dad in Ruby is like one of their favorite characters. Mm -hmm. And so we get to see like a little bit of that in book two as well. Oh my God. Amazing. So readers, when Ruby comes out, what's the date again, Jess? Uh, May 16th. May 16th. You have a whole universe to look forward to, which is super exciting. Yes. Yes. And more like Lisa Frank-ish covers. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll have a, a cover because I'm the same illustrator and designers are doing it. So they they like are, yeah, I'm like, okay, so since we did, you know, like the orange and like gold and yellows of the sunset, or the sunset like in, in the beach for book one, I want to now do like the lilacs and the pinks and the blues. So hopefully they'll be, you know, like they're they're very intentional on like doing it together. So I should have a, a like a book cover this summer and then like my hope is to get to reveal it on um the kickoff day of latinx uh, heritage month so i think in september i'll be able to release it but of course i'll text it to you guys the minute i get it (laughs) that's actually like not even joking one of my favorite parts of having author friends is like when you get to see the first peak of it and you're like oh my god it's so exciting i know it's so awesome isn't that one of the joys that never fades? It really is one of the things that the joys that just never fades in this industry. Yeah. Getting excited with your friends. Yes. Which I think is a nice segue into maybe some of the things I have a feeling are going to come up in this conversation that are not so joyful. <laughs> nice, Callan. Nice. Callan is the best at segues. <laughs> Sometimes it's a stretch, but I think this one is uh, going to fit in pretty nicely. Um, we kind of already had an amazing conversation about this before we started recording, where we were maybe a little bit more candid than we'll, than we'll be here on this one that's going to go public um, <laughs> for reasons. But just this idea of you know how to set boundaries, and I think as a debut writer in particular, it can be a really big struggle. Um, to figure out this balance with, you know, what you are willing to do and maybe what is expected of you and what is contracted of you are kind of all, you know, different things. 
And it can be really hard to find that balance, especially in the beginning. But you seem to have a really good lock on it. And I'm very impressed. And I'm already going to be like texting you to give me pep talks so that I stop saying yes to everything. (laughs) But like, kind of how did you, since you are a debut, how did you come into it with this sort of idea of like knowing your boundaries? And how did you get to that magical spot? Oh God, that's such a good question. And I think it really starts with um, me having done a lot of therapy. (laughs) So I, you know, like for me having like boundaries and like setting them, that's been like a lifelong lesson and something that I continue to work on. Um, But I think especially with publishing for like the reasons that, like you said, and then other reasons we could get into, I feel like a lot of the expectations are expectations that, you know, writers put on themselves that are not even necessarily really, you know, put on by like the publisher. And I think because this industry deals in dreams, you know, um, I think a lot of people, when they do get their foot in the door, they're just so grateful to be there that they're like a puppy and they'll just like be like, okay, like I never want to leave. So like, I'll do everything it takes to like stay here. Um, And so they just start saying yes to everything. And then add to that, the social aspect of publishing, you know, where like everything is on TikTok or Twitter, like publishing so much of it is like Twitter that I think it's like very natural for people to be like, okay, like, let me see what everybody else is doing and I'll do that too. Um, and hopefully like that will work for me. But so to not get like too far off topic, like for me, it's like, I was very intentional always with like, okay, like I was hired to write a book. I'm going to, that's going to be like my primary focus. And if I'm going to have this as a side hustle, um, books need to be written and there is only a certain amount of time in the day. So anything that is going to take away from that writing time, like I am only going to do if I want to, or if it brings me joy. Um, And also, and this is like sometimes hard, like I'll admit this, because it's like usually I I really am really good at keeping my eyes on my paper um, and not seeing what everybody else is doing. But sometimes, you know, I do and I'll be like, oh, well, maybe I should do this. And it's, I, I always just like feel that like in my gut when it's like, And I have to like sometimes check in with myself, like, am I doing this because I want to, or am I doing this because I feel either pressure for myself or um, to like do it? So I just, but I think it's just like a, I constantly have to be asking that to myself. Like, is this something that I'm doing because I want to, or something because I feel pressure? um, And again, like that feeling I just think is so personalized to you. And sometimes it's like so helpful to like analyze where that really is coming from. Because it's like, if you look in your publishing contract, like it doesn't say you have to do like X amount of TikToks or X amount of posts. It doesn't say anything. Like the only thing you're contracted to do is deliver a book. Um, So I just try to keep that forefront. That's so smart. You're wise. You are wise, (laughs) I think, beyond your publishing years, because that is so hard. And I feel like you know, a lot of it is internal. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it does come from social media and seeing like, you know, like, it's amazing that we have these like debut author groups, because they're so supportive. And it's like, so nice to have a contact group of people that are like, going through the same thing that you are going through. But it also really is then to like a window into what everyone else is doing, what everyone else is getting. And that can be hard when you're watching other people who maybe have more resources than you do 
um, or are getting more support from their publishers than you are for whatever reason. And there's definitely that internal pressure to kind of match up to that and get those same things and do those same things. And that you like, okay, like I'm going to go off of something that you said. It's like a lot of it that people don't even realize is what you said. It's like the personal resources. So when you see people doing stuff, a lot of times that isn't even through the publisher. It's because the writer has the resources, whether it's the time or the money to be able to then, you know, um, to, to do those things. Like for example, like going on tour, um, I am in a position where I am like fortunate enough that if I want to go somewhere and like my publicist is like, okay, yeah, like they're not going to pay for me to go, but I could go. So for example, it's like, I have like a Disney trip this summer and I'm like, okay, well then could you guys like hook up like an appearance there? So then, because I'm going to be there anyway. And I want to like, you know, it's like, I, so it's like, I am going to several places um, to promote Ruby and just like looking at my list. I'm like, why did I do this to myself? Because now I'm like not even on the plane (laughs) and I'm already exhausted. But like, I literally was just like, okay, what writing friends have I not met in person? And it's like, I want to go and meet them. So it's like, I'm, you know, finally going to get to meet like one of my mentors, Nina Moreno in Orlando. So it's like, I am, but it's like a lot of writers don't get that, you know? Um, so it's like, but like someone from the outside looking in, they're like, oh, like their publisher probably like funded this. And it's like, no, I'm going to um, Epcot Center for the Food and Wine Fest. And <laughs> like, since I'll, you know, take a take a, um, an evening off and go to a bookstore and meet like book friends. So yeah, it's, it's really hard because a lot of it is mostly funded by yourself um, when doing like promotion and marketing, which, which again, it's like, a, I think a lot of people don't realize that until they're in the game. They think that the publisher is going to do everything and they can, um, you know, what they allocate to you differs widely. And e- you could even be a lead title and a lead title, depending on month, or, you know, imprint, that's going to be, you can't compare them because it's everyone's going to have like a different experience. And it's so important too. And what I think even a lot of us authors don't realize, or like that we kind of fall prey to is this big feeling of like FOMO <laughs> and of looking at what somebody else is doing and saying, shit, what did I do wrong that I'm not getting that too? Am I underperforming? Am I, does my publisher not like me? Like even to go that far, like those are the feelings that some of this can conjure up when we see people announce book tours or people announce big events. But I think, and like to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying is a lot of authors are putting this on with that knowledge comes oh, okay, well, that's awesome that they're doing this. Like, it's just a whole different framework of, um, like you're saying, to set up events where you can see author friends and being like, hey, I'm going to be here to my, telling your publicist, hey, I'm going to be here. What can we do? Because that's what I do with mine as well. Like, hey, I'm going to be on this trip since I'm not usually in this area. Is there a little bookstore, like an indie bookstore I could go connect with or say hi to or like something like just kind of integrating I guess what you would call promo but promo that gives you joy right into what you're already doing in your daily life in a way that is not draining in a way that is enjoyable and joyful for you to connect with friends or connect with awesome booksellers like 
I don't know. It just puts the whole thing into a different perspective when you look at it that way, instead of saying, oh my gosh. And honestly, some publishers obviously are putting on tours for authors and that happens. But in most cases, this is what it is. Right. Yeah. And even for like different type of things, like um, you know, like what you get pitched to for book boxes or awards is like one of the things that like I, I learned too, or like conventions. So it's like, I, yeah. So it's like, everything is like different. And then even for like, for us to like do that, it's like, we're in a position where it's like, we could take a couple, like a day off or, you know, it's like, I don't have kids. Like, so it's like, I could do whatever, like I want. Well, no, I'll say that. It's like, I have the two cats. So sometimes they're even like needier than kids. Right. But, you know, absolutely. But, yeah. So, but, and even like some people too, it's like, they're not as extroverted as I am. So, mm-hmm. so I think, but see, that's like something that like you, I, I didn't know until now. It's like, mm-hmm. I told like my, you know, my team, it's like, okay, these are the things like, you put me in front of a camera, you put me in front of people. It's like, I have the gift of gab. Like I like love to ham it up, but like a lot of people don't, a lot of writers are introverted, you know? Mm -hmm. And I told them too, like, and I have like the time and the resources to be able to do these things. So, um, whatever you want to do with that, then, then like milk it, you know? Um, but I didn't even know that that was like, like no mentors told me I could do that. Like that was like something that like, I, you know, I was like, Oh, like even my editor or whatever, it's like, or even like my team themselves, the marketing and publicity team, like they, um, you know, they do give you the questionnaire uh, to see like what things like you want to do or you like doing. Um, and then it's like, I just like delved like deeper into that and like told them like, Hey, you know, like I'm available, like, let's do this. Like I, and I also am lucky that I live in Southern California where there, we are, we have a lot of events here and a lot of bookstores. So yeah, I think when you compare yourself to other people, it's like you don't really know what's going on like behind the scenes, either like through the publisher or the resources that the author has. So that's like one thing though, but it's hard because since social media is so visible, um, even me, I'm like, okay, like there's like things that I want, you know, that I haven't gotten yet. Um, but then it's like, I have to like remind myself, like, just like chill, like this is like your journey, like, and everyone else's is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's also too really important to remember, and this is something that I have really had to stress to myself over the past couple of years, is that statistically speaking, you as the author cannot do anything that is going to majorly impact your sales. And that is a really hard pill to swallow. And that's a really hard thing to come to terms with. And it just, it's the truth. Like, I can go to every book festival in the country and I can come up with the best, you know, pre-sale order campaign and it is not going to sell any more, maybe 10 more, you know, maybe, maybe you have a really good, you know, experience and you sell a hundred more books, like in the grand scheme of things, what you do as the author has basically zero impact on your sales. And that is both disheartening, but also it should be like a weight off of your shoulders because it's not your job to sell the book. And you kind of have to like let that go a little bit. And I think that that can be hard, especially as a debut to like really wrap your head around that. No. And I, but it's like what you said, it's like, so I think I just made that, that transition um, quicker. Like for me, it's like the, the minute I realized that, 
it was freeing because I was like, okay, now I'm just going to like focus on doing the things that I want to do. Like, um, like it, it's so true. It's like with, you know, now that I've been going to like a lot of events, um, it's like, I just see like the pre-order campaign stuff. They're like, like, you know, schlepping to like give, give away for free because they don't want it at their house anymore. So it's <laughs> like, okay. And I think, okay, it's like that costs money, you know, like getting stuff made, like commission that costs money, getting it printed. Like the printing sometimes is even more expensive than like the actual commissioning of the artwork. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's awesome because it's like, you get to keep like a little thing of y- your book, but it's like, I, so what I always like focus on is like, okay, like I want to do this or I don't want to do this it's like a cost benefit analysis. So it's like, you could do all of those things, but then also what's the cost, which is like, I think where I'm at in my writing journey now, um, where it's like, yes, I could continue to do a lot of these things and I could continue pushing through like burnout and all of this, but like, what's the cost of that? Um, And again, I think for me, I'm in a very different position than like, you know, like I'm in a different position than some people. So for some people, it's like, they will continue to push through um, and then it's like, okay, then that I'm like scared to like, see where that ends up going then for them. Because for me, um, I've like really struggled. I, I kept on pushing through basically. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I think people forget that we're like dealing still with like the fallout of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. So what, what is that doing to our brains? What has it done to our brains? And it's like, that like is for everyone, you know, that's happened. And then, yeah, publishing moves so fast. Um, so it's like, for example, like book one, Ruby's about to come out in like a couple weeks and I'm like almost done with like book two. So it's, <laughs> um, so it's like, it never ends. Like, it's like, there's like, I, one of the other things that I didn't know as a debut author is like, um, you know, I, I knew about like developmental edits because you know we met in pitch war so I knew about like an edit letter but I didn't know about all of the work that goes in once the book is in production so there's like a whole different types of like (laughs) editing that just like never ends um and then book two is is due so it's like for example I was working on like um copy um edits past pages like proof pages for Ruby while while I was also drafting you know book two and again, because, you know, it's like, even though I'm, I've gotten better at instilling like boundaries and stuff, I still probably went a little too hard um, and, you know, like pushed through a lot of like exhaustion to try to get book two like on time. And again, the, like my publisher has been so great and like really has been giving me like the extensions that like I've needed, which for like everybody out there, it's like always ask for an extension. I personally think that they're made up at this point. Um, <laughs> so, um, but it was, it was like, again, like my internalized pressure of like, oh, I don't want to miss, you know, I don't want to get bumped. I don't even know what that means. And it's like, I was afraid of something. I don't even know like what it was, you know? Um, and it's like, now looking back, it's like, if I get bumped, who, who cares? Um, the book will, will come out like at some point, but I'm tired because I kept on pushing through even with my boundaries. So it's like, I, mm-hmm. you know, maybe told like my team, um, some of my boundaries when it comes to the publicity and marketing, but as far as like the drafting stuff, I think I still have that internalized thing of like, okay, yeah, like I'm like lucky to be here. So it's like, I don't want to mess up. So I, you know, continue to push through. But then after, after this, it's like, yeah, like what's the cost? Like, it's like the thought of writing another book after this, 
like makes me want to cringe. Like, you know what I mean? So I think I just need to rest um, for a moment because I, I think with a lot of writers too, it's like rest is like a reward for them. And it's like, no, it's essential, you know? So now going back to boundaries, I never write after 5 p.m. So I treat this as like, you know, when, when I was like a, a lawyer and like I worked at, at an office, it's like everyone left at five. So I still have that mentality now where it's like 5 p.m. comes, save, close the laptop and like, let's watch like the new episode of Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, because it's like, to me, the, what refills the well is like doing the things that I love and being around the people that I love. And it's, I'm not going to do that if I'm constantly working. Yeah. That's so smart. I like that. You have a, like a cutoff. My brain is like, (laughs) I don't, I don't. And I honestly, I used to prefer drafting at night. Um, but that has kind of shifted for me because I have to get up at six 45 to take my kid to school in the morning. And so I can't, like, if I were making my own schedule, I would draft at like late at night and then just sleep all day, but I don't get to do that. (laughs) So, but I, you know, so now I write on a more like kind of normal schedule where I write during the day while my kid is at school. Um, But yeah, I will sneak in those sessions at night sometimes if I'm on deadline or if I feel like I need to. Um, But I like the idea of like having a cutoff. I think that's really smart. Have you ever asked for a extension? Like, has there been like a time when, oh, oh wow. Okay. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so, okay, let's explore that a little bit. Like, is it, yeah. Like the internalized like thing of like, yeah. I need, yeah, I need to do this because. I am a former gifted and talented education student. I you know, was like 4.0 all through high school. I am the oldest child. I have very much ingrained in me, like, these are the rules and you must follow them. And I will say this is not anything against my publisher or my editor, who I think if I did ever ask for or need an extension would be very gracious and kind and give it to me. Um, I will say I do draft very quickly. So with first drafts in particular, I'm, I don't have a problem with deadlines just because my my process is pretty quick. But yeah, I definitely like when I get edit letters, I sit down and I like make a full schedule for myself so that I can be, you know, done by the time I need to be. And I think for the most part, it does work for me and it works for the way that my brain processes things. But it did mean like, with just my type in particular, because I struggled so much writing that book that I went through like more rounds of edits. So, which probably makes my editor's job harder (laughs) because she had to read a lot more really messy drafts that maybe had I given myself that time, I could have like tightened up on my own. Um, But she just had to do it for me. Like that's where, where I am at with book two, where it was, um, yeah, it's like my editor is the first person that ever laid eyes on that draft. Like I did not mm-hmm. have time to go through CPs. And, and again, yeah. I think that that was like on me and I didn't, since this is the first, I feel like when you're a debut, so much of it is like you, you, you learn as you go. I didn't know, um, because I did ask for an extension and I'm like you in that type A 
older, the, the oldest. So it's like, I have always been, yeah, like it was horrifying to me, like the thought of like having to ask for like an extension. And with book one, I turned everything in early. Yeah, uh, same. So it's like, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> I, and same. I would be like, Oh, like I remember, this is how unhinged I am. Um, I remember for like turning in like dev edits on Ruby, like I even, like, I think this is like so cringe, like was like, oh, I'm turning it in early like a boss. And it's like, then all that year taught me like, no, that's like a toxic mentality to have. And sometimes it's like, this is why book two, like I made it about an event planner um, because you can make like the best plans, but then life sometimes just happens. And then what? you know, um, do you keep on like pushing through, um, or do you take care of yourself? Like, or is there some way to find a balance? And so I think that's, that's been like the, the learning, um, the lesson of like this, like past like years, like trying to find that balance. It's hard. So I think even for me, you know, where it's like, again, like I have like instituted some boundaries, it's still like a constant, like learning curve and readjusting. Like, it's okay to go and readjust. Like if I need to like make a new schedule, then that's fine too. I just, I don't want to, um, yeah, it's, it's hard though, right? Like to, to do that. As we are having this conversation, I am realizing, and I know Gabby is probably listening to this podcast, so you don't have to tell me if this is true or not, Gabby, but as we have been working on book three, she has not yet given me like a, I need it by this date. She hasn't done that for me yet. She has been like, okay, so work on it. Like, when do you think you want to have it back to me? And I'm like, is she being tricky with me? <laughs> she figured me out. I think it's like, and and I think that's also though, it's like, because it's like every book is different. So like you yeah. might need more time on it. Okay, like you said that you really struggled, you, you know, yeah. with like this like last one. So um, yeah, then other books went faster. This one took longer. It's like for the one that you're working on now, it might be a completely different experience. So I think you just need to be a little, have like grace, you know, and be like flexible with like yourself of like, yeah, things sometimes like, I think every book needs something different. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard though, because it's like, you are working with other people, you know, your editor, the design team, all these people. So it's like, they're all, you know, on a schedule too. So it's hard, but I do think that they secretly and yeah, like my editor's probably like, oh my God, it, like she's giving away like trade secrets. I don't, I think that they have like way bigger buffers built in they do. to force this. They do. So. They're, they're, um, they build in time in case something comes up. So I know for my book two, which can we all just agree that book two is a fucking bitch. Like oh, it's <laughs> the first time that you are dealing with creating something under these new constraints. I think every publishing team gets that, especially with yeah. the debut. This is what, and, and, and with a two book deal, or even, you know, your next deal after a debut, um, your publishing team knows that going in. Like they, this is not their first rodeo. They know how it is for debuts, you know? And I think, uh, I'm just like getting all, ah, but like, <laughs> because I feel so strongly and I've learned so much over the past years because going in, you really feel like, okay, I'm basically on a campaign trail. I need to say yes to everything. I need to be everywhere at all times. And you're 
balancing two different jobs of being an author and being a writer, dealing with events and all these promo things, and then dealing with actually creating the work. Um, On top of your daily life, on top of everything, a day job, everything that you have going on, that is not sustainable. And sometimes the creativity process um, flat out just disagrees with you and you have to start over from scratch, like what happened to me. Like I had all of my best intentions, just like your beautiful event planner. (laughs) And I went in and was like, this is how things are going to go. And it did not go that way. And I had a massive meltdown. (laughs) It was like um, nearing, I was like already past my deadline at that point of uh, turning in my second draft, realizing um, the entire book is wrong and I have to rewrite a whole first draft again. Um, That was a really fun time, (laughs) Um, but it was like worst case scenario in my mind, right? Everybody was so beyond gracious with like realizing I'm a human Realizing I want to put my best work out there and in turn, create the best product for my publisher, right? Like that's where everybody's heart is at. And I guess I really figured like people were going to think, oh my God, you failed us. What have you done? We're never going to work with you again. And I was met with so much grace and understanding and something, um, I hope it's okay to say, Claire, but something my agent told me was you are communicating and that is key. Like I think when you fall off the face of the earth because you're so terrified, that's when people are like, oh my God, (laughs) what's happening? (laughs) Is she just not going to provide us with anything, (laughs) you know? And like, here we are with our timelines and our schedules that are on the horizon. What's going to, okay. So basically you're putting everybody else in a spiral because of your spiral, right? (laughs) But if you just communicate, what you need, people are more than willing, at least in my experience, to work with you. Um, You're absolutely right. Like, it's like, I've never been told no when I'm like, okay, this no, is, I need never. this, you know, and um, you're completely right. And my editors too, it's like, and again, like, I feel awful that I didn't have like the time to go through like CPs first, yeah. but it's like, they're diligently reading every draft. Yeah. You know, that happened to me like, too. Make it, make it better. So yeah, but it is horrifying because when I, but again, it's like, okay, when I asked for the extension, now I wish I would have asked for more time, you know? Um, <laughs> right. And, then, and I do too, then, like going in to the next time. Because it's like, like you, I think like, didn't you redraft it in like a month? Oh shit. I don't remember. You? I don't you know. Blocked it out. You blocked <laughs> it. <laughs> it's all a blur. So that I, means it was probably pretty quick. <laughs> I think so because I remember thinking I never finished a NaNoWriMo, (laughs) but somehow I did it. But that's the thing too, is like, I was learning and it was a learning process. However, I got very much, and I think I'm still trying to get out of it, which is this toxic cycle of once I finish this massive project, this massive deadline, then I will take care of myself. Then I will take a break. And what that does is it doesn't end because you turn in that deadline. Great. Now what? You um, are going to need some recovery time, which you get maybe like a week, maybe two. And then it's on to, oh, well, actually it doesn't end because you're still online. You're still promoing. 
right? That's still part of it. And then you have to have your past pages and your copy edits and all the things that are coming in, your next revisions, your next book, your next pitches, your next <laughs> like proposal package, literally all this thing, all these things that come up that if you get into that mentality of I'm going to put what I need off, you're just never going to get what you need. Yeah, no, it's, it's horrible because, and again, it's like, okay, for, cause I was in the same boat as you. So I had to draft book two basically for Nano, which I have never done. Like yeah. Ruby took me, I think like three years or something, you know, like yeah. to, to do. And then I had so many people looking at it, you know, it's like, I, I got into Las Musas like mentorship um, program with that and work with Nina Moreno and she helped me make it like so much better. But again, since I was like a newbie writer, it's like a lot of the things that she told me, I didn't know how to do craft wise. Like I, I didn't know how to like implement those revisions. And then I got into pitch wars where we met. And then at that point, like I, I was like, Oh, my, my mentor there, Hoda, she told me the same exact thing that Nina did. And I was like, Oh, now I know how to do it. You know? So then like that happened. So I've, I had like basically like a year just to revise after taking like, you know, two, three years to draft. And then it was like for book two, I had Nano. Um, so I think I drafted book two in six, six weeks or something like that. Like, yeah, I know it was like, wild. Um, and so, but I had like, I adopted the same mentality that you did. Like I looked at it going, going into it. I looked at it like I am going to take the bar exam again, basically, where mm -hmm. it's like, I was like, I did, you know, I still did. Like I did never, I even, even when I took the bar, I did this. Like I never worked past for the bar. I think it was like seven because it was like the bar, which yeah, it's, I'm still, I, I'm, half of my brain does still not work from, from that. I lost so many brain cells, Damn. but for this, I'm like, I'm going to adopt that mentality. And then I did that again for revisions because since my first draft was such a hot mess, um, I think the first revision that we did with my editor, it took me, and I was so exhausted at that point. Yes. Um, it took me, I think like two months, like it took me, I think to like to revise like the last 50 pages of book two, probably, um, almost a month, like no joke. Like there would be like some days where it's like, I could only do like a page or two. And then right now it's like, I just did like another pass, but you know, I had some weeks off to just like rest. And then I think I did it in like three weeks. So it's like, you know, it, and, and like all of that, like me working myself to the, the ground again, it was the same thing. Like there was like some family members that I still haven't seen, you know, cause I'm like, <laughs> okay, like when I finish this, then I'll like, I'll like meet you. Um, and mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think during, and, and again, my justification for doing that again, you know, and like maybe skirting around like the boundaries that I, that I do try to like have for myself is like that, like, this is like an extra, extraordinary circumstance. So I have to push yeah. through this one last time to like make these things and then I'll rest, you know, but like you said, it, it never ends. Um, one of the things I think going forward that I'm going to do is if I do decide to like sub another book and do that, I think I just want to do like one book deals with like an option. I don't yeah. know. If, and, and again, it's like, we think, yeah. So I think you need to find out like what works for you because like the working under deadline, um, I don't know if that's going to be sustainable for me with like the tight turnarounds or ask mm -hmm. for like a bigger, instead of having a book out every year, like what about mm -hmm. like every other year? Um, you know, so it's like, that's like something, but again, it's like when you're thrown into this industry, I think it's like you learn as you go. And so I don't really know like what we could ask for or like, um, you know, how we could change the quote unquote normal to then make it more like tailored for each individual person. Yeah. And asking yeah. up front is always so much less stressful, I think, than 
uh, asking retroactively, but you have to do what you have to do, you know, and, and a lot of time for debuts, there's no other option but to ask retroactively because we like I had no idea what the hell was even acceptable, what was etiquette, yes. etiquette, quote unquote, like, you know, you just don't know anything. At least I didn't. So like having that knowledge of, you know, contracts are negotiable before you go in, probably understanding that you're going to need more time than you think you will, <laughs> unless your book is like already polished and ready to go, um, which is a lot of the case with book ones, right? Because we've already had yeah. that time. But the book two is where it gets tricky Unless it's already written in pop, anyway, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just agreeing with what you're saying, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 tricky. Yeah, I for for book two for the next book, if I do want to write one, yeah, it's. I think I want more time, six weeks to do it, and then like a couple more weeks for revisions. Like that's not sustainable. And I told my publisher too. I told them the same thing that you guys did. Like I want to have like a good book, not a fast one, mm-hmm. because it's like if I'm gonna, you know, I want to like build like a brand and. Um, and then, yeah, like, it's like not even for anyone else, like other than me, really, that I want it to be like the best that I could make it. And Mm -hmm. like right now it's not like, it's like that, you know, I haven't gotten like, and I am, I have a suspicion that Fallon's the same way. It's like, I submit my revisions with my own edit letter because that's how extra I am. (laughs) So it's like, even now I'm like, these are the, I'm getting happier, but I'm still not happy with the book. You'll get there. I've totally done that. Where like my email accompanying my draft is like, so I know that this part still sucks. I know that that this part still sucks. (laughs) I do that too. (laughs) Please pay special special attention to this part, which is a hot mess. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I knew that all of us were going to be like the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, I feel like we could continue to talk about this for another hour, but I'm going to steer us in a different direction so we can talk about some fun things. Um, (laughs) You and I have several nerdy fandoms in common. Um, I know we were going to talk about the MCU. I feel like if we start, (laughs) we're going to be here for like an hour. And (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> so I feel like maybe with your permission, we should just skip over to something that I have not actually done yet. And I'm so excited to hear about because you have been on the Star Cruiser and you're yes. going again. Yes. 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 I'm so excited. It's my happy place. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, I, um, is there anything like particularly that like you want to like that has like piqued your interest about it and then I could go and I don't know how much you want me to spoil too because for mm. people that don't know it's okay so it's um the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser and it is in Orlando it's in it's next to Disney Studios so like the conceit of it is like you get to live your Star Wars fantasy so you it. are taking a luxury cruise in space um and there's like the entertainment that you expect to find on a cruise. So there's like, um, like a famous singer, there's like the uh, luxury dining, there is like the amazing drinks and there's like entertainment, but the resistance has um, snuck on board and like shenanigans ensue during like the cruise. And so there's different paths that you could take. So it's, it's like a, a live role playing thing. And I think one of the reasons why it struggled in the beginning is like market. I don't think Disney marketed it like the way it was. Like they, they just said it was like um, Star Cruise, like, um, like a Star Wars cruise where it's like really like a um, 24 hour dinner 
theater mystery, like murder type thing, um, like role playing experience. So you are in, well, you don't have to, but I, I went the, the first time that I went, I just went on like a fact finding mission to like scope it out. I did not want to read spoilers um, because there are six main story paths and you could diverge or combine like different paths. Um, and so I, I like wanted to just know, like, get like the gist of it. And then the second time I went, I went full on with like a character. Um, and I was like, I started to play the game even in line before going on. So for example, like I, um, I use like a little bit of my real life. So I said that I was a romance, like a famous like romance writer, like a Coruscant best-selling author for Courtney, who's probably not a Star Wars nerd. Coruscant is the galactic capital, or it was during the Empire. We we won't get into timelines. Oh, no, I grew up a Star Wars nerd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like on the, the main trilogy, right? And then yes. um, I sort of have like lost track with the newer things but i am at core okay so okay so, th- so this like the word this is like locked in in like the storyline character wise it's with like the new like sequel trilogy so it's like between um episode yeah we, we won't go into it but anyway so it's like <laughs> i that was like my character and so i um i'll show you like a, i even like commissioned art oh yes and it's amazing so, um this is like one of my book covers <laughs> I know, I know, Fallon's face. I know. So, for, oh my god! Yes, you have it on your Instagram, right? Yeah, I do. So, if you go on my Instagram, you could see it. And for people like listening, it's like I, my character, like her breakout hit um, was "Gone with the Windu." Oh my god! And so, like I, like when I was in line to go in, it's like I started telling the cast, like "Oh my god!" Like you know, like I'm so excited to get away this weekend, but like, so please, just like. Um, no autographs like this weekend and then they're like and then so then like but I'm like oh but for you sweetheart like I will do it like my I basically like in my head like I I don't know if you guys have seen Meryl Streep's um she devil you know how she's like a famous like bougie romance writer Uh, it's so I I mixed her character with like Paris Hilton like like circa like 2000 one and then so like I would like I, I slipped like one of the cast members like my book quote unquote like book so and then when he saw it, he's like oh my god our cat the captain of the ship is like your biggest fan so it's like <laughs> as soon as like the cast like knows that you're you're down to play they'll play with you so I did like everything like on the ship that like I wanted to do like I unlocked so many missions I had so much fun and then afterward the cast um they were like friends now in like real life and they're like you like broke that ship you like came to like win like you were like the highlight like I got a shout out from one of the characters like at the end um the and, and I I love like the villains so like I aligned myself like very closely with like one of the villains so on my Instagram too you'll if you want to see like the shout out it's freaking awesome because he like shouts me out for like um, threatening to like murder people and like my loyalty and like all of these things. And just like my face though is like, because that was like one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Like it was so much fun just to like be there and like not, yeah, not think of like anything. Cause it's like, you're in it. It's like around to 50 hours. So you're like just playing this game for like 50 hours straight. And, and you spend just- the night on the ship yeah you spend the night it's like a two-night experience so like you go in you like spend the night like you yeah and it's weird because it, even though you're acting 
Um, and again, like I asked this to like the cast members, like, I'm like, how much that was like real when we were doing that? And then they're like, the more you put of yourself, like the more real it gets. Right. So there was, again, like for people who want to go, like maybe don't listen to like this part, like spoilers ahead, but there's a heist that you could do. And so it's like on the compass of the ship, it, there was like a stone. And one of the missions is to like steal the stone because it belongs like um, on the planet of Ryloth. So like the Twi'leks, like the the characters with like, they have like these like, um, like Ahsoka Tano, if you know what Ahsoka Tano looks like. She's a Twi'lek. So it's like, if you do like the scoundrel path, like you get to steal, help steal that. And it's like amazing. Cause it's like a huge group of people. Like each person is in charge of doing like a different diversion to like do it. And um, so at the end you got to steal like the stone and then you're just like in the cargo hold of the ship with, um, with Gaia, who's like the singer of, she's like, she's one of the characters. And so she's talking about how like now she gets to take the stone back to her people, you know, and like what it meant to have like the stone back and from, yeah. And, and like what the stone represents, like it represents hope. So I, she was like, yeah. And I was like tearing up. Cause I'm like, this is like, like, you know, like about like diaspora, what she's really talking about. Mm, wow. And like, as you know, like a kid of diaspora, which in like Ruby to tie it back a little bit to that, like, you know, it's, it's like a, you know, like a dissertation on like diaspora, like it, it really hit me. And then like, and then I come to find out after that, like in real life, like the actress that played that is also an Afro-Caribbean baker, um, you know? So it's like her speech on that. It's like, she put pieces of herself in that, you know? And so, because like, and I think we do that with writing, right? Like mm -hmm. to bring it back to like craft, it's like, you're, you're playing in like a fictional like sandbox, but the more you bring of yourself and like your experiences, yeah. then like the more that resonates to, with like other people um, and like the more real it feels. So like in Ruby, she loves baking and, you know, it's like, and this, this is like true with like a lot of Cuban like immigrants. It's like they, it's like with like Cuba, there's like some people that, you know, it's like my dad, he was never able to go back to Cuba mm -hmm. um, after he left. And when you're, you know, like a political like refugee, like sometimes you don't want to talk about like the experiences that you had. So I think a lot of like first gen kids who are parents, you know, of immigrants, it's like they don't, they can't connect to that part of their culture because like the parent who is like supposed to be like, you know, an access point to that, they're cut off from it. Um, so then they have to go searching for those parts of themselves and other things. And food is so accessible. Um, and it's like really one of the only, few, you know, it's like I don't have, um, there's only like one, two nephews here in that, you know, like that are like part of my Cuban family. And so everything else like Cuban, especially, you know, living in SoCal, which is much different than like living in Miami, mm -hmm. it's like food is really the only thing. So it's like, so yeah, it's, I, I like exploring. Um, for me, it's like when I tried to like reconnect to like my Cuban heritage and like Ruby does like a lot of that stuff, it was like through other mediums and other things. And I think for me, like personally, like the reason why I love like Star Wars and like Disney stuff is because it lets me access and just like play in those mm -hmm. things. And I think this could go back to like self-care. I think one of the things that I've learned is like play is like necessary. And just because you're like an adult or you're like a certain age, like doesn't mean like you could stop 
being like imaginative and like like stop having fun with other freaking adults. And so like when I go to the Star Cruiser, it's such a happy place because everyone is just like a kid mm-hmm. um playing, you know? And we're like yeah, you could be like a hero there. Um or you could be a villain, you could be a scoundrel, you could be like whatever you want and it's it's encouraged. So, that you need to go basically. They need to hire <laughs> me like in freaking I know, you should be getting free trips because I Wow. From everything that I have seen about it so far, I'm like, mm, I mean, it looks cool, but that's like maybe not for me. Like, I don't know that that's something that I would, you know, go out of my way to experience, but you just sold me on it. <laughs> I do it. I, and I think it's so hard to sell. I, I the, Disney hasn't cracked it because it's it's such a hard to sell experience. Yeah. Um, and again, like there was like a lot of like stuff online where it's like people were, you know, saying, oh, it's like... And I do, it is expensive, you know, so it's very expensive. Um, and now they're making it a slightly more affordable. Like they have like a discount for like pass holders and like they're trying to do like different things to see if it could be more accessible to different people, like all kinds of people and just open it up because no, I have not heard one bad thing about it from someone who's ac- ac- like experienced it. And it's like usually quite the opposite. Like as soon as people get off of it, they're like trying to rebook. So um, and anyone could could do it. It's like you don't have to be super extroverted. Like my sister, she went um, on this past voyage with me. And again, like she's like, I need to come back. Like when could we come back? Because it's just awesome. So it appeals to people that like if you do like to play and be like extroverted and um, have experience in role playing or not, um, there is enough going on that you could just sit and watch other people playing. And it, that's fun. Like a lot of the times, especially on my first voyage too, like just watching the kids, you know, have like the time of their life, even that, like, I was like, should I have a kid? You know, like, <laughs> because this is so awesome. Like I, yeah. And the, the cast members are, the such great actors and such great humans. Um, and so they take care of everyone. And even if you are a little shy, it's like, they'll go out of their way to like, you know, reel you in. And then everyone there is cool. Like, it's like, I was, this is just like my personality too, but it's like, if I would see people just like sitting down, I'll be like cargo hold 4 PM, like, come on, let's go, (laughs) you know? So trying to get people involved. So you have to do it. You have to do it. You'll love it. All right. I'm sold. And Fallon, you're a theater kid, right? I am a theater kid. Yeah. Wow. Then you would love it. Got to see if I can get that cast member discount. <laughs> you have to do it. Like there were there and the actors are so good that the first time um I did half of a storyline and I didn't even know it was it was like fake. Like I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was real. Like and then after, you know, since I'm like so type A, it's like I think for like 2 weeks straight all I did is like I went on like every Reddit board, like every Facebook group to be like <laughs> What are, I want to know all of the, like the paths, all of the missions. Like I want to know it all. So then I could like cherry pick what I want to do next time. And then I was like, oh my God, I like did the, there's like a, a rom-com storyline. If you could believe that. Yes. Yes. And it's, so I did like half of the rom-com storyline. I didn't even know I did it because I didn't even know that it was like an actor at first. Um, <laughs> the, the guy I was interacting with until like later I saw that, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, this is. This is like amazing. Um, yeah. So I think I want to do more of the rom-com this next voyage. Um, but also they have just like so many drinks and such good food wow. that I'm like, where do I just want to get drunk and just like hang out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you have options is basically what a, the 
the point of it is like you have a lot of things but if you're a theater kid I don't think there's on the planet and I'm not that's like not hyperbole like it's it would be your freaking dream all right I'm sold I also I love that there's a rom-com storyline because I have been putting out into the universe for many, many years now, including tagging everyone I can think of on Twitter. But I need there to be need there to be a rom-com line of books based in the MCU. Why? Like, why is, is this not a thing? Okay, so who are like your main ship? Like, what would you want to write for? I want to write a Bucky like marriage of convenience Mr. and Mrs. Smith style like I Disney please call me (laughs) Disney Disney now has that adult line well like I know so it's like okay get on that like now why are we not doing this yet I and if it it happens and I'm not involved. I will, of course, be heartbroken, but I won't even care that much because I will just get to read the books and so it'll be okay. Well, we have to do that. These? Yeah. So I'm holding up yeah. Julie Murphy, If the Shoe Fits, which is the Cinderella. Yes. Right? And, and then, then Jasmine Guillory did By the Book, which is the Beauty and the Beast one. Oh, yeah. And then oh, I yeah. think um, Zoraida Cordova is doing um, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it's called like I think it's called Kiss the Girl, maybe. And I think that comes out this this year. Yeah, yeah. I'm they so don't excited. have any. They're closed door, so there's no steamy scenes in them, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, but whatever, I don't care. I'll do it. <laughs> oh my god, Star is making an appearance. I know. I know. So there she cute. is. No, we have to do that. Like for me, it's like I'm manifesting that as well. Like for Star Wars, like that's oh my god, like to get to write in like the Star Wars universe, that would be a freaking dream. Right. I would love like especially now. I don't know if you watched Andor. Um, I would like yes. maybe want to do something there because it's like as much as I love like all the magic stuff, I just think like the regular people in Star Wars things is fascinating. Um, mm. so maybe something of that like. I think yeah. Andor is maybe the best Star Wars show that we've had so far. Ever, ever. I love it. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it. any excuse to, like, get to meet, like, Diego Luna, like, if we could be like, oh, could we set up a call or, like, to for research, you know? Courtney um, and I had this conversation one time when, because <laughs> when I was watching Andor, I was like, I think I'm going to use him as, like, hero inspiration for one of my books because I'm obsessed with him. Oh, I, no, I named the dad in book two after him. So it's like, I, yeah, Diego Luna, I have been in love with him since like Itu Mama Tambien. Um, he's just like everything. I mean, yeah, like a, we, we won't go into like the cringe of like Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Um, I'll forgive him <laughs> for that. But everything else that he's done is just gold. Even the Katy Perry video that he did. It's like such, so good. If you haven't seen that yet. Oh my it's, God. It's so good. And I think... This might be a controversial statement, but I think Rogue One is better than any of the movies in the sequel trilogy. It's so good. It's so good. So if good. you haven't seen it, Courtney, you have to. It's heartbreaking, but it is so, so good. Okay, okay yeah. Courtney, what would you want to write? Like, what IP, like, would you love to do? Oh, yeah. That's good. <sighs> oh, my God. Something <laughs> so weird just came to my head. I don't know if I should say it. Say it. No. I can always edit it out. What? No, I mean, it's just weird. What? 
You need to tell us an after because now I need, like, we need to know. But okay, like, what you can share? What? What, what if they you? did a, a My Little Pony universe? But like, <laughs> they weren't ponies. But like, you take the traits of the. <laughs> What the oh, fuck? No, or you can't because remember Anne Rice had that her Cinderella retelling to like keep it like in the, the like the sort of Disney stuff. She had like a high steam. I don't know if like you guys have ever read it. Um, a very 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 high steam like erotica series based on like Sleeping Beauty, and there was like pony stuff in there. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know if like yeah if this will like not be able to be posted so just. Yeah, just Google pony. Like, I don't even know if I can say it, but there's where you can. Is you could, you could, I could totally see My Little Pony like being a thing. I can guarantee you that already exists in fan fiction I, there somewhere. You know, though, I think what a lot of the thing that brought me to actually putting pen to paper was Once Upon a Time, the show, Ooh. because. I love retellings and I love taking something where we already know the framework. We already have all the touchstones and expanding on them and completely twisting them around. So definitely, I I don't know why my little pony popped in my head. I would literally never, like, I don't think I would ever write that, but that'd be funny. Like that'd be cool to see somebody translate that in a different way because I like the whole, like, I like that whole world. But, um, yeah, any Disney princess, I would legit like, but it already exists, so I don't know no. if any, 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 I would okay, do so it, and we, they would be yeah. so gay, and it would be, that's what I would do. Okay, so this is, like, a question for both of you, because it's, like, I just had um, Hoda and Stephanie, you know, like, a, like, my Pitch Wars mentor and my, the mentee before me. Um, I had them do like a buzz bead quiz of like, which Disney princess are you? Since it's like, you know, in this book, <laughs> um, it's yeah. Like, uh, like, okay. I'm just gonna like drop it, but I'm like dedicating this book to them. And so mm-hmm. in, it's like, I'm going to have like my Disney print, like, you know, like, but they're like the Disney princesses to like my fairy godmother. So I wanted to know like who they were. So I could like put that in the dedication. Um, so yeah. So who, which Disney princess do you think you guys are? And then I'll like, I'll tell you which one I got because I think it tracks. I, on every quiz I have ever taken like that, I am Belle every single time. Belle's a good one. Everyone wants yeah. Belle. Yeah. It's just the reading. When it's like, what would you do on your hobby day off? I'm like, reading. <laughs> <laughs> I want books. That's all I care about. <laughs> so then in that though, because it's like, so then did you, yeah, it's like, okay, you like books and then you like like big, big, like a big, strong love interest. <laughs> I guess I'm into that. What about you, Court? Which one do you think that you would be? My favorite, I don't, like my favorite movie growing up, uh, Disney-wise, was Ariel. So, Mm. probably. Yeah. I love, yeah, Little Mermaid is good. I got on the quiz Mulan um, because she's like a badass and I guess we'll like do whatever it takes to like get it, which I'm like, okay, this tracks, but I'm like, also like yeah it's like I'm like I no it tracks too it it tracks I freaking like love Mulan and um Shang is hot so there's (laughs) there's that yeah I think it would be super fun to do um the Tangled rom-com because Mm -hmm. Flynn Rider is definitely like my favorite hero although 
I have to say, I don't know if you've watched Magic Happens lately, Jessica, but there is a Naveen in the parade who is Hot. like the best prince I have ever seen at Disneyland in any capacity. Like he is so good. Like his facial expressions, he's so charming. Like spot on. I don't even like watching parades, but my kid wants to watch it every time. And I'm like, all right, well, at least I get to see this guy. <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go tomorrow. So it's like I'll go and like watch it specifically for that. Because mm-hmm. yeah, no, so it's like when I went to because it's like, you know, a couple like uh yeah, like not last night, but then it, night before I went to throwback night. My sister wanted to like propose to like father from like Carousel of Progress. <laughs> Um, you know, so it's like, and I'm like, dude, he's married. Like you are in a picture with your wife. Um, and she's like, who cares? And I'm like, oh my God, you're the worst. Um, so she, yeah, no, but, and then like, I was like showing Gretchen, you know, like our, another pitch war is like, oh, yeah. um, and she's like, oh, I get it. He's hot, you know, like, and so these characters that they're hiring, I'm like, damn, they're, they're good. And meanwhile, like my sister is like checking out the Hawkeyes. I like joined Captain Hook's like pirate crew and was like <laughs> doing missions with him. So that's me. Um, that's why I got Mulan because I like getting things done instead of um, wearing a dress. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the princes, the princes are really hit or miss. Like some of them are just not good, but like I think especially with the later ones like Flynn and Naveen, where they actually have personalities in the movie. You know, a lot of the earlier princes are just kind of like bland in there, Um, but they do a really good job. And I am obsessed with Flynn Rider. And so I would totally write that book. Call my agent. Make it okay, happen. Your agent, but like, okay, and we'll we'll only talk about it for like a minute. Okay, like for the besides like Bucky Barnes, like who is like because Bucky is like one of my top, but like Loki, I'm like obsessed <sighs> with Loki. That'd he, be a fun one. He, yeah, that's he's hot, and so I don't know if like you go to Avengers Camp as much. Courtney, you're gonna have to come with us. But like the actors that play them, like the Loki, he literally when I went, like he'll just have women, like moms, grandmothers, like following him. And yeah. there was like a grandmother, like it's like me, it was just like women, you know, just like following him. And so there was like a grandmother, like behind us, she's like, he's hot. And I'm like, yeah. So it's like these people, like the characters, it's like they'll have like their little like groupies now at Disneyland. Um, yeah. The Thors are always really hot too. The Thors are, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the caps are really cute too. Um, you don't see as much it. of them because they always wear like the little helmet thingy on, but I've, I haven't really seen Cap much at all. Whenever I go there, it's like lately I've been seeing a lot of, yeah, um, Thor is hot. Really hot. Yeah. Not mad about it. <laughs> We're going to have to go together and like stalk these guys. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, we need to, we need to make a trip happen. Courtney, I'll get you in. <laughs> I want to come so badly. <laughs> we should go for the steamy lit con. I think all of us yes. are going to be there. So then after we could go. Oh my God. Yeah. For yes. sure making it happen let's do it all right i mean i could continue this conversation for another hour i'm not even joking um but we will be respectful of your time and your boundaries Uh, (laughs) i'll be respectful of yours too because i could keep you guys here all day Uh, but before we go can you please um tell everyone where they can find you on the internets Yes. So um, you could go to jessicaparra.com and that's P-A-R-R-A. And I am on Instagram at jessicatparra, 
But huh? so it's just like Jessica, because I'm also a cat lady. We never talked about that on this. So we're gonna have I'm gonna have to come back on and we could talk about yes. like cats. Absolutely. Anytime. On Instagram Live where you show everybody your oh, beautiful yeah. cats. <gasps> yes. Yeah. So I have like two werewolf kitties, the Lycoys, and they are the best. Like I have been posting them a lot more on Instagram and they are just so I love them. They're everything. I, I and them. I did get like a new um cat that I'm gonna be bringing home. Um, in a couple weeks that like Courtney manifested for me. It's like a cute little white Devin Rex. That's everything. So I can't, I, I thought I was on April Fool's Day going to like do a, it's a girl and do like a, like a pregnancy <laughs> thing to like troll people. No, that's, that's me. I don't want to do that, but yeah, I'm going to get a little girl. So I'm so excited about that and about Ruby coming out in, um, yeah, in like a couple of weeks, which is so exciting. And, um, I'm going to be at like several different events, which I'll post. Um, but the launch is going to be at the Rip Bodice Yay. on May 20th, um, with the amazing Edward Underhill, who I'll be like chatting with. Um, so anybody that's like local, I'll be there. I'll also be at Mysterious Galaxy in, um, San Diego. Mm-hmm. With Tracy Badawa, who I just read her book. This is not a personal statement. And it is so freaking amazing. Um, And it also, I'm going to have to come back on to talk about it. I just, I basically realized, (laughs) like, I lived her book. Um, Wow. Yeah, like, I, I lied about, this is like, and I told her, I'm like, I've never told this to anyone. So we'll, we'll end with the secret. Like, I lied about graduating when I didn't. Like, I walked at my college graduation with not enough credits to like actually graduate. And then for a semester, I like pretended that I had like graduated and I needed the time um, to study for the LSAT, which is like the law school admissions exam. But I was really finishing college, even though I had graduated. So, and this book is, is about that. Like it's this high school senior pretends that she got into college. So she lives for a whole semester, like at college trying to like really get in. So I'm just like, why does this sound so familiar? And why is this giving me so much stress? Like, <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, I lived this. And I totally blocked it out. Like not even my sister knows that I like lied about graduating. Whoa. Like, yeah. And then she's like, how, and then when I was telling Tracy, cause I, I'm like looking right now at my diplomas, it's like diplomas are so tiny in the font. So no one knows that it's like not a diff, it's a different year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's I amazing. Icon. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, well, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I cannot wait to listen to this episode back. I know. Oh It'll be the best. Yes. And all of our agents are available. We're available for IP work. Please yes. send them emails <laughs> so that we can make this happen. My little example. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for having Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K, K K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media.
If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time.